The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Tate Cast. Of course, joined by my friend Pat Mayo, who is now—I mean, you're just like a—you're just a secondary part of the show. I view your episodes of the show as this is when the audience gets to come on and talk about whatever they want. I feel like you are a representative graph of the audience of this show. I mean, I don't know if I really want to say that I represent anyone besides myself, but I, I'll take that mantle. I mean, I, I listen to the episode, so I, so I have real takes on the well, these are These are the only episodes that I don't have to do an agenda because in a very Canadian way, you bring things to the show that you want to talk about, which is huge for me. I suppose it's nice, although I'd be so pissed off if people... Actually, that's not true. I love when guests bring stuff to talk about on my show. It's fantastic. Well... I mean, I, we've now officially had an episode where someone emailed me their, like, all their information. Uh, Rick Gaiman at DFS On Demand, he emailed me. He was like, look, man, I want to do your show. You said you liked when people did this. He sent me a bunch of talking points, and I was like, boom, let's do it. But, and it was, that was amazing for me. Did you not know Rick before that? I did not, no. Oh, Rick, that's what you get for not listening to my show, jerk. Rick's always on. Rick's great. He does. He does. Well, he's he's big in the golf life, and I will I will be I will be honest in the sense that I follow golf less now than I have in any of the years before, just because I'm more into the NBA this year than I had been in years past. And there's only so many things that you can hold in your brain, you know. You decided to give up on golf as soon as Tiger came back. I'm not, I have not given up on golf, but I don't even really like the swing season that much anyways. Cause I don't like, uh, if I'm going to give up my, you know, my weekends to watch a golf tournament in general, I'm going to want it to be like one of the, one of the premier sort of golf tournaments you watch, you watch every round of every tournament. I I've never been able to do that. I have a limited attention span for these things. I mean, saying that I watch every round of every tournament is probably pushing it because they don't even put like, yeah, mm-hmm. some of the rounds aren't even on TV. Yeah, so that's a bit tough. I follow every round that goes on in every tournament. Some of it's just you cannot watch. Well, and it actually is backwards for me because I always like the web guys anyways. Like Cameron Champ, like he's like the new GOAT. And like I should be watching because these are tournaments he's going to contend in every week. So I guess maybe I have my priorities backwards because I don't even like the older boring golfers who are in all of these events like not in the swing season. But that's who's been winning on the swing season. You had Champ win the one that, I mean, I won a bunch of money on Kuchar. That was awesome. That Charles Howell won for the first yeah, time. Charles Howell, I, when, I, I, when I saw that Charles Howell won this last week, I was like, it's probably a good thing that I'm not betting on golf right now because it, be, it would just be a money sink. It, it was, I think more people had one of six lineups on DraftKings for the last tournament than they had six of six lineups. It was just, like, you know the weeks, you know how every week of the year you like to talk about, like, DraftKings strategy. And it's like, oh. I'm going to be the most contrarian player on the board. And when the chalk doesn't hit, I'm going to win all the money. That was this week in golf. Unfortunately, yeah. like the tournaments were worth fuck all. So it didn't matter. Didn't Peter Uline shoot like a 62 or something recently though? I had a bunch of people tweet at me. 
He went, he, uh, yes, he shot a really low one at whatever it was two weeks ago. I think, yeah, two weeks ago. But Peter Elon's a bum, so he didn't win. Patrick Rogers shot 61-62 on the weekend to get into that playoff this week. Yeah, so I guess maybe I should be playing. You know what? I will. I'm just gonna load up on Fantasy National, and I'm just gonna generate some optimal. There, there is a tournament this weekend, right? No, everything's done now. Every. Oh, okay. So when did? Uh, so then we have the Hero World Challenge, and then when do things start back up again? Hero is only like 14 people, so that tournament sucks. Then it's a uh, tournament of champions in like first week of January. It's like oh, I actually weeks. like the tournament of champions. That I've I've done well in that event before. I like the one after it, the, the like the first like real tournament, Sony the, Open. The, the Sony, yeah. The so I so, what what was the year that Zach Blair contended at the Sony? I want to say it was I had Esser on the show that week for the Honda Classic because I remember talking that up. I want to say it was 2016, Zach Blair. So whenever that year was, I did really well at that tournament because uh, the projections that we had on Fantasy Insiders back then really liked Zach Blair. So I, I just remember having a really good week that week. All right, so the Sony Open, Pat, I will I will listen to your show. I will I will make it my goal to build my PGA knowledge up back enough to come on your show to do golf this year. Oh, my God. That would be hilarious. I, I've, I've done it with you before. I, like, I, I know, but, you, but you've been out of it for so long. I can, I will, I'll, I mean, I'm, I can figure, DFS is not that hard. I'll be able to figure it out. Like, it, I just need, I just need to watch for like two months. The, the problem, as, as you know, with all this stuff, especially golf, is it's just hard to know all the guys. 2006, I was right. He came third. Yeah. So... Basically, Fabian Gomez beat Brant Snedeker in a playoff, and see, woo, Kim came forward. Well, it's not like my head's not in the sand. Like I still am, che- I'm still checking the leaderboards. I just, I just haven't really been playing. But it's not like I don't know who is good at professional golf. Cameron Champ is good. Yeah, Cameron Champ is. Uh, the, his quote about Brian Gay this last week was pretty amazing. Just chucking Brian Gay under the bus. Yeah, and then Brian Gay's wife got mad. Oh, poor. Is, I can't remember. There's Brian Gay, and there's. Another guy, it's not Brian Gay, it's because obviously his last name isn't Gay, and that like sticks out in your mind. But there's another one who has like a very similar name and a very similar game. Ben Crane. Ben Crane, Brian Har- uh, Brian Harmon too is also. But Ben Crane and Brian Gay, between them, one of them is a guy like who doesn't pay his bets on tour. I don't want to throw that on Brian Gay if it's Ben Crane who does it. But that's, like, a, that's a bannable offense, man. If you don't pay up on your golf bets, you're a bad person. Yeah, but like they'll have like putting contests on the putting greens before they go on and be like lose five k and it just they'll never pay anyone. Yeah, have you ever been? Have you ever been to a major? No, I've actually only ever been to one PGA event. I I work all the time on PGA. Yeah, so you 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 went to you went to Glen Abbey. I'm assuming. No, I went to Phoenix for my bachelor party. The waste management, nice. I recommend everyone go. Hilarious times. I mean, I would recommend I would recommend you go to a final round of the PGA Championship. Probably that would be the one I would suggest you go to. I went I went to the last day of the PGA Championship this last year on Brooks's win, and it was just like the most amazing day. Well, you said you were able to follow around Brooks. Everyone's following around Tiger, right? Right. Yeah, and I just think anyone who like really likes golf, I would I would suggest that you go and do it because it's like seeing these guys play in person is it's it's pretty amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I can do that. I mean, Glen Abbey's done now. So right. Oh yeah. So it officially they, they were not able to save Glen Abbey. 
I think they did, but like Glen Abbey fucking sucks. Like it's a terrible course. No, it's a great course. It's just so e- it's so easy to to make eagles. I loved that course. For fantasy golf, sure, but like as a course, like it's, I think it's like the fifth rated course in Toronto. So like where are they? Where are they moving it to? We're going to Hamilton this year. That's where I want to say William McGirt won, but that's not true. It was William McGirt, Scott Piercy, and someone, and I think the other guy won. It was there like five years ago. It was a great course, uh, birdie fest, but like a shorter birdie fest, so it's not just bombers only. Uh, Royal Montreal will be back in the fray where they had the president's cup a few so they're 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 rotating it now basically yeah well it's the week before the u.s open i guess they it'd be it would have been great if they had the schedule beforehand because the u.s open is at pebble this year i think it's at pebble it's at pebble or tory one of the two pebble beach so it should be in like vancouver yeah before the u.s open so have it on the west coast canada but they didn't rejig the schedule in time because shaughnessy is out there which is super hard they had the canadian open there i think in like 2011 and the winning score was like minus three because it's way too hard. Oh, I, hate, I hate, I absolutely hate golf tournaments where like, where like you're making the cut with a plus number, like U.S. Wow. Open. Yeah, but I, I think that's a perfect tournament and course to play before the U.S. Open. Yeah, I guess that is true. It's good practice. Kind of like how they play that one in Texas every year before the Masters and they try and make it just like it. Yeah, and had they played the Scottish before the British Open. Yeah. Like, get used to the wind, get used to the time zone, like – it's a nice lead into these sort of events. I think feel like we've talked about golf for way too long to start. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to start the show talking with you about Canadian Thanksgiving. Cause I think, actually think a lot of people would not even realize that Canadians one don't do anything on American Thanksgiving. Like people in the United States think of America of Thanksgiving just as ubiquitous, but we're, you know, we're the only country that celebrates it obviously. And what is, when is Canadian Thanksgiving? Why does it exist? And what do you, what happens in your life on American Thanksgiving? Is it a thing in Canada at all? I actually wrote about this uh, ages ago. Uh, when I was at Roto Experts, when I used to do like Matthew Barry S columns, where I'd write like some sort of weird personal story or like opening. Right. And I was like, I don't have fucking time for this. And then I stopped doing it. But uh, I wrote a story about like what we used to do, because it used to be a, the best day for us was American Thanksgiving in Canada because we all loved watching football. We'd all like skip off like college and just go get absolutely blackout drunk at the bar. So and it's just, it's a drinking day in yeah. Canada. We, we basically just take the day off. Uh, although everything it's weird because you're out somewhere with like nine people, 10 people, and then people start filtering in and out through the course of the day. And like, you're getting wasted at you know one o'clock on a Thursday but it's a normal Thursday for everyone else. Like I assume on Thanksgiving, like if people go back to their hometowns on Thanksgiving and they go out to like the, you know, the local bar that night, yeah, like, everyone, everyone goes and drinks the night before Thanksgiving in the United States. It's like high school reunion night. Yeah. So like, if you go out, you expect everyone out to be drinking. Everyone's, you know, having a good time. No one's working in the morning, but like if you inject yourself into like a drunk situation, but like everything else is business as usual, it's really bizarre. And people get really thrown out of sorts by it. Like, they don't know what to do when you have, I mean, at the time, we were probably like 20, because drinking age in Canada is 19. So we were 19, 20, 21, this sort of thing. And we like we had other friends who had to work that day. Other friends had exams that day. I had two friends skip exams to come to the bar and watch football. They didn't graduate from college, but, you know, it was probably worth it for them then. Definitely, definitely worth it to go and watch uh, the Lions game. 
I mean, Lions every – we used to have the thing. You had to get some – in our fantasy league, we actually had a rule, our first fantasy league, that you had to have someone that played on Thanksgiving. I love that rule. Or, or you weren't allowed to come to the bar to watch the games. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that rule. As a, as a, you know, a, a self-hating and recovering Cowboys fan, that was like always the big thing for me. On think, and and because that Thanksgiving game is like always important for the standings because the Cowboys are always right about 500. Like it, over the course of my lifetime, that Thanksgiving game has always like really mattered for the standings and and just and it's always miserable like I love Thanksgiving up into the point to when the Cowboys kick off and then it's and then it's miserable because they're they just they're they I mean I guess the last time they were truly a good team I guess the DAC year they were really good but most of those Romo years like the team was just not good I'm gonna see if I can find this on Google Mayo Thanksgiving Roto Experts I if you if you find that I want to put it in the show notes just so that the people can go and read it it might be like truly horrible, so I don't know if I like want to. I might well, that's also that's also fair, but that's it. It is interesting to me that it's it's a drinking day in Canada, which I guess makes total sense. But that's it, only that's only if you like football, though. If you don't like football, does it have any impact on your life at all? No, most people don't even know what's happening. That's we pretty still, interesting. We, we still get uh, the sales though. Like Best Buy, like any... Oh, any... so Black Friday still exists in... Black Friday will still exist. Because, I mean, that's really moved on to an, like an online... Like, who's insane enough to go into a store to buy anything on Black Friday? That's crazy. Poor people. They're not called poor people. They're called poors, Davis. Yeah, and the, the impoverished will still definitely go. I maybe... You got poors, you got riches, you got stupids. You know, like, this is, this is the new vernacular I'm using. Yeah, I'm I'm big on I'm big on Cyber Monday. Every year I buy like loads of stuff on Cyber Monday. Yeah, I just I, I'm all for it. I mean, as a rich, I don't really need a sale, Davis. I'm just I'm just a big fan of gadgets, and I never think about buying gadgets until that day. Like I, like wireless phone chargers, like the the charger where you drop and just put your phone on and it just charges without a cord. I'm big like just all little gadgets like that. I'm big on. Yeah, I mean, I don't really buy gadgets anyway. I, I rarely, I so rarely buy any sort of electronics. I, I finally replaced my portable cell phone charger the other day, and I actually went into Best Buy and like haggled with the guy. There, there you go. You are, you are the, you are the market of guy who still goes into the store to buy something. Yeah, but I went on. When did I go? I went on Saturday night with my wife because I knew no one would be in there on Saturday night. I right. but also the crappy part about Saturday night at any store is you get the nut low employees who don't know anything. Yeah, I mean, don't don't do that. Like that's like a a good a good thing to do if you are uh if you are uh in a relationship or married as you are is like that that Saturday after Saturday afternoon for me, I'm fine to do farmers market whatever, whatever relationship stuff there is cuz I don't I'm not a huge college football guy. Like I I I watch one college football team that's really all that I care about and I'm going to be glued to the TV on Sunday so Saturday afternoons are, is fine for me to sacrifice yeah I, I don't give a shit about college football so yeah so well I mean what what's like Saturday afternoon that's got to be your relationship time yeah I mean I, I try to work from home as much as possible like yeah. if, I, if I'm writing at night or preparing the show for the morning I usually do it like if I even during the Monday night game 
like I'll have the Monday night game on like my iPad or something like that in front of me while I'm working and she'll be watching God knows what she watches on Monday nights. I think it's Real Housewives of Dallas. Ugh. I don't like the Dallas one so much. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like. Like, I dude, really, I really do not like reality TV. I just, it's never. It feels like we don't give it a chance. I probably haven't given it enough of a chance, but when I have watched it, I don't, I don't enjoy it. But I do like most like uh, f- female geared television, like uh, like real plot driven kind of like twisty turny, like Grey's Anatomy. I like most of those shows. Yeah, well, you can just, you can go, uh, instead of running in Texas, you can run in Kansas, and you can be beta, beta-omatic. Beta-omatic? And that could be you. Could be. Grey's Anatomy is, Grey's Anatomy is good, though. I stand by that. I've, I've, I said that on the podcast with Rick, and some people were like, dude, what, you just admitted to liking Grey's Anatomy? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, that's not bad TV. I know. I, I, my, my wife watches it all the time. I can't stand it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same episode every time. Oh, it is. It is definitely the same. But there is like, I mean, there is something comforting to to that back part of your brain about like knowing what to expect from an episode of TV. I like I kind of like it. I'm not against procedurals. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I think Netflix tried this for like a show, but I'm very concerned that I, I like I, don't know, I, I was talking to Netflix not too long ago because I, I, I got some ideas over here. Sure. Not, not good ideas, but I got ideas. So they'll, they'll listen to anyone. So they'll listen to me. Um, and then they'll say, go, get the fuck away from us. You can go back to doing what you're doing. Yeah. But I, I feel like there's so much room on Netflix to change the order of things. Like that they've set the standard where binge watching is a thing. And that doesn't need to go away. People love binge watching things. But why not play with the format of some of these shows a little bit? Or at least have a screen like, you know how they have like the What's New Bar? Like, yeah. you just have a screen be like, here's what came out today. Here's everything that's new on Netflix the past week. Like, why isn't that a screen? Yeah, that should be a screen. And why, like, why not have a procedural type show? Like, why not have, like, a Law and Order but of Netflix? I mean, I'm sure that's, that's got to be something in development, right? They, they tried one, and it was unsuccessful. But they released them all, like, once. Like, yeah, just you, can't, because, you can't do that. Just because you binge watch everything and everything just gets dumped on Netflix all at once doesn't mean you can, you can't have a show that comes out once a week. Like I, I Joel McHale show uh, when he brought the soup over to Netflix. Well, there's I, a, I, there's a, there's another new one Patriot act. Maybe I, it's like a talk show with, uh, with the uh, middle East. Yeah. I, I really like it. So does that it, come out? Does that come out once a week or, or were they all out at once? Yeah. They, they all come out once a week. Cause they try to stay somewhat topical. Like, if you can teach people that not everything is dropped all at once, they'll come back if they like it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, uh, do you watch This Is Us? God, no. It's a, I how actually think ne- that. Network TV are you watching? Oh, uh, I watch like probably like three or four. Not like religiously, but I watch them. But, but This Is Us is, I'm just saying that's a very successful model of most people do not watch that on TV. They watch it on Hulu, but it only comes out once a week. A lot of people watch it on TV. It's like the highest rated show on TV. But I mean, what, are, what do you think the numbers are of people who watch it on TV versus watch it on Hulu? I, I still would bet more people watch it streaming. Oh, God, no. You don't think? No, 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 no. no, no. Streaming maybe doesn't that's work. Just, maybe that's streaming just unique work. to my experience. It's completely unique to your experience. Get out of your bubble, beta. Well, I've, I, I've cut the cable. I haven't had cable TV in forever. Uh, there are different ways. Do you use a VPN at all? I use PlayStation View. 
So it's cable via PlayStation. Like it's like I get like 50 channels for 40 bucks a month. Okay. So that, that is cable. But it's not cable through a cable. Like the cord is cut. It's not. You just said it was a cable cord. Well, it's so it's all the channels you would get, but they're done through streaming. Like I'm not, I don't pay for a cable company. I just pay $40. You pay pay someone else for TV. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, you're all, you're always paying someone. I mean, you don't need to. Like, I mean, truly cutting the cord. Like there's a service. What is it? US TV now. Is that what it's called? Yeah. If you have a VPN, it's a watch.ustvnow.com. I was using it for ages when I was real poor. And I couldn't afford cable, but it it works for everyone who's outside of the United States. So if you have a VPN, you can use it. It's a free service set up for Americans abroad. So like those in the military, expats living around the world, that they can stay in touch with like US TV and US culture. I think it it has like 11 free channels, but it has like all the major channels. And I think for like $9.99 a month, you can upgrade to like, 30 channels or something like that. But like 11 of them are just free. That well, I'm not, I'm not poor enough to have to like, like use a VPN. Like I'm fine. I'm fine paying for something and any, any sports game that you want to watch, you can find a stream for it on Reddit. If you like really wanted to watch a specific game or whatever. Yeah. Crick free is really good for that too. For like, especially anything international. Crick free. Do you have, do you have ESPN plus? I don't know. Should I? Yeah, I mean that's like, like if, that's the best deal in sports if you want to watch anything like any game you want to watch that's not on like regular broadcast TV is on there. I don't know if I can get that in Canada. I don't know if you can. I I assume you can, but I guess I'm not positive on that for sure. Well, just the rights deals between the countries are are different. Yeah. Well, if you live in the if you live in the US, ESPN Plus, like ESPN Plus Plus PlayStation View, like the the premium package of that, and I never have to, like I any sports game I want to watch, I can watch. So if you want to, um, like like what you were saying, like you'll pay like the forty bucks. But if people legit don't want to pay for anything, like you can use Crick Free and Reddit to stream sports. You can use uh, that said I talked about US TV now to like get like live TV or like Pluto TV is like legit. I like you always hear. I don't even know what that is. I always hear it being advertised on different podcasts. I was like, I need to check this out. And we, when I was at Fantasy Network, we were actually on. We had a channel on Pluto TV. Uh, we didn't know we were on Pluto TV because it was kind of the checks just started showing up one day. I was like, what is this? It's like, oh, we're well, that's on. That's not the- bad. Yeah, they, they were actually paying for it, so that was nice. But Pluto TV, like, just type it in right now. Like, Pluto like, TV. Yeah, Pluto TV, the planet, or like like, like the planet, but dot TV. It's like legit a hundred free channels. You know, need to sign up. I think this this app is on my smart TV. Like it's like it like it like came with my smart TV. I've never clicked on it. So it's sort of like an aggregation of a bunch. Like there's a mystery science theater channel, which is awesome, and I just have on all day. Like Cracked, The Onion, Nerdist has a channel. Like it's a lot of like online places. Yeah, brought on, and it has a bunch of movies. Like and it's free. I'm in. Like yeah. that's. That that's just something people can go watch if they want to. And and how much is Netflix? Like five bucks a month, nine bucks a month? I I think it's, I think it's nine. I've I haven't looked at it in a long time. I, I still cuss Netflix, so I don't know. Can't pay can't pay the nine dollars. It's like it's like amazing to me that their business model is just like, okay, we're just gonna charge all these people nine dollars, but then a bunch of people are gonna steal it and we don't even care. Like is Netflix is not profitable, right? 
I don't think so, especially with the money that they spend on content. But I think, I mean, Amazon's not profitable. So Amazon is not profitable. No, Amazon doesn't make money. That's like very hard for me to believe, but maybe, I mean, I guess it's more just about capturing the market share for them. That's exactly what they do. They, they sacrifice profits and trade it off for market share by undercutting everyone. I mean, I mean, eventually it will be worth it. Of course, eventually they'll have no competition and they'll just turn the switch the other way and everything will be way too expensive. Every, yeah. The, I hope there's a grandfathered in Amazon Prime program. I hope so. I, I would enjoy that a lot. But it's a lot like uh, when Sports Geek was on with you. He was talking about like how to make money off a YouTube channel. Like, and even I, I think you guys were talking about that article that Bales was circulating around for a while. Yeah. Like if you have a thousand loyal viewers or readers or subscribers, you can make a living doing that. And Easily. Think about that on a mass scale for something like Netflix. Like think about how many people use Netflix versus Amazon Prime or Hulu in terms of like content services. I mean, I would bet how That's many it. people, how many people, what percentage of the 300 million people in the United States have a Netflix subscription or have access to it? Have access to it or have one themselves? Have, have just have act like someone in their, someone in their immediate family circle has it. Hmm. In their immediate family circle, I'll wager my, my guess would be around 60%. I would say yeah. it's less than five for the others. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with both of those numbers. I, I would, I would not pay for Hulu just cause they don't have enough on there that I really like, but I get it. I have my phone through Sprint and they're like partners somehow. So I get it for free from that. Well, here's what's going to happen. Like the, that Disney OTT is coming very soon. Right. Uh, there's the CBS one that's already out that, that like the new Star Trek show is on, which is a legit show. People should watch that. You can't, uh, you can't give me a hard time for watching network shows and then be like, oh, no, I'm into Star Trek. Why? What's wrong with Star Trek? It's been around nothing, for- Nothing is wrong with Star Trek. It's been around for 70 years. No, I, don't think, I don't think anything is wrong with Star Trek. I mean, if you're going to give me the choice between Grey's Anatomy and Star Trek, take Star Trek. I, it's it's really at the end of the day, major network like mass consumption television. It's all just going to be like you know, just a lack of like a, an overall lack of soul. Like I like if you want really niche content, you go to the internet. If you want if you want something for network TV, you're just trying to be entertained. Potentially, but I mean that's why I kind of like the Star Trek show because it's it's only on the OTT platform, so it's not it's on CBS, but it's not on CBS TV. So it is, it's a lot different. Put it that way, and the budget is out of control. <laughs> is it is it massive? Yeah, well, I mean they basically it's it was smart on their part, like twofold, especially like procuring the rights to something like Star Trek. Like if you're going to launch, it was their first show on this new platform, so they wanted people to sign up to watch yeah. Star Trek. So Star Trek has this built-in base. And think about the consumers of Star Trek. You know what they're able to do? Buy an OTT platform. They're, yes, they're, not, they're not afraid of technology, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's any money any money that like massive corporations can invest in like streaming technology or whatever right now is going to multiply many times 30 years from now. Like I'm pretty confident in that. I just think I just think streaming entertainment, like the the closer you can get entertainment from like production immediately into someone's house, that's like the value right now. 
Well, it is. I mean, the cost alone of streaming versus like network broadcast is substantially lower. And if you have these OTT platforms, so if I'm CBS Studios and I produce Star Trek and I own the platform, like you don't need the middleman of the cable companies anymore. You just tell them to go fuck off. You own everything. And that's where you make the, once you own something, you make the real money. And that goes back to that sports geek thing again, too. Like when he was talking about if you have like 25,000 YouTube subscribers and you're pimping something. Uh, just selling a product. You can make a decent living like getting affiliate fees and selling a product. But if you own a product and you can sell it, you could be a fucking millionaire. Yeah. We both should think about developing a product. Yeah, but I, I have no way to do that. I don't really, I don't really either. I, I, I mean, I do, I, I own a business, but. My- yeah, I mean, I own Davis Matic LLC. I mean, I feel like my business does more businessy stuff than your business. Uh, like, per, I mean, my business just exists for tax purposes. Uh, mine does exist for tax purposes, but I also have to prove that I do other things too. So you work with multiple, you know, d- different, uh, different, have different clients. But the main thing that I do want and try to build this part of the business is I watch these, and maybe it's to my advantage, but I watch all these different, whether it's, YouTube channels, whether it's like different DFS sites, whether it's like entertainment sites, even yeah. people who do like post game shows for TV shows for like MTV is pretty good at it, but like other stations aren't like they need a consultant on how to come in to make a low budget studio and make it look good. Yeah. Like, do you know what's real hack when I'm watching like DFS stuff and there's the three boxes the three like little boxes, like with some sort of like art behind it. Like why not just show everyone on the full screen? Yeah. I don't have, I do not have a good answer. Do you know what that costs? That costs a webcam that probably tops 70 bucks and a light that probably costs 30 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not hard work. I should, if I ever wanted to start streaming or whatever, I would have to, I would probably have to move my desk around and then get uh, I don't know, a green screen or a backdrop or something. Green screen takes up a lot of bandwidth. Green screen's tough. That's why I stopped doing green screen. It takes so long to export videos that you're better off just building like a, a natural backdrop. Well, what uh, like what Roto Grinders does is they just send all of their people who do video shows. They just send them one big backdrop. It's supposed to look like whatever, like it's like a, an image of like whatever city they're in. Yeah, that could be more 3D, and I think it would create more depth, so it doesn't look like someone standing in front of a screen. But I, I think that's a good start. Yeah. for a lot of that stuff. And I always like the daytime ones. Like Siege has a daytime one, as you know, from Siege being on the show. Um, and the daytime one is just brighter. Like the amount of non-brightness that people use in these videos, like this is why I use Mayo Media Inc. for your, for your online streaming consulting. Like here are the times when you should broadcast. We were just talking about this before we came on. The amount of traffic and the amount of views, and it's good for me, but like you're going to be doing the same thing that we just rig everything for Thanksgiving because no one puts out content on Thanksgiving. Like why aren't more people doing that? Uh, I mean, I just because people don't want to work on those days. They do, They just don't think far enough ahead. That's why. But like because you're not going to be working on Thanksgiving, but, but you'll but be releasing a show. The, D- the DFS space is not big on entrepreneurs, honestly. Like, but isn't, that like, the entire, but isn't that the entire space? Well, it is, but like the the bar of content, honestly, in our space is is pretty low. 
Like it, like it's not, there are not, uh, there are not people who are like true multimedia visionaries really working in this space. And, and the bar of what people expect is also pretty low. Like if you just put out a 30 minute podcast with some picks, that's really all people are expecting. So when you go above and beyond that, I think the ability for return is quite high. Like I had a lot of success last year releasing a show on Christmas day. Yes. Yeah, I was the, yeah. I think I was the only person releasing shows on Christmas Day. People, not I, people not want... That I, not, not that I went into the office and recorded on Christmas Day. I recorded like two weeks in advance, but just save it for that day. People want content 24-7, but there will just naturally be some days that are lighter on content just due to like how work schedules go and how the American holiday calendar goes. And if you can provide content on that day, you have an edge. Well, which has always given me a really, and maybe it's one of the reasons that I kind of clued into it ages ago is because I don't work, I work on an American schedule, but I don't get American holidays. So I'm always working every American holiday. And I just always notice there's such a lapse in everything that's going on. It's like, this is, this is well, and obviously the, the other thing that's tricky is that, you know, this is literally, it's in the name, like they're like the daily content. Like it's hard to do, it's hard to do stuff a week in advance for DFS because you don't have all the information. Uh, it may not be timely. It may not be useful by the time you are actually releasing it. That's the issue. Yeah. But like I'm recording stuff on Wednesday and releasing it on Thursday this week. Right, I yeah. and again, I'll be releasing stuff on Wednesday too, but I'll save a show for Thursday. Right, exactly. And so like, but that is, that's a why in specifically in the daily fantasy space, why there is a, like a lack of stuff on, on those holiday days. On any non-football holiday, I can see that, but on football holiday, what's, what's yeah, there's no, there's no reason there shouldn't be content on Thursday, Friday. And the audience isn't stupid. If you just tell them at the beginning, hey, we recorded this on a, uh, on a Wednesday. We want to give you some content for a Thursday. They'll be appreciative of that. Yeah. yeah not going to sure. go, oh, he, he said he didn't practice today, but he did practice today. This guy's an idiot. Like, I mean, you'll guy, get, you'll that, get that, some that, of that for sure. That guy is going more and more away, though. True. Yeah, I, I very rarely – the amount of – uh, dumb people that I get commenting or tweeting me is like much lower than it has been in the past. I wonder why that is. Have you blocked them all? Uh, I don't really block anyone other than uh, Trump people. Like even even people who constantly give me a hard time, I don't block them unless they're like big Trump people. But then I'll just any any like mega person, I just block and report just because I don't want to deal. Ah, oh, so you shouldn't do that. That's like half the audience. I'm okay alienating that audience. I'm really, I'm really, I really don't care. You're, you're more of a man of the people. Matt, mass content, Pat Mayo. Ray, listen, blue states vote. They listen to podcasts. Red states vote. They listen to podcasts. They watch stuff online. They consume content. They are, everyone likes football. That helps. It's true. So, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to alienate an audience. That'd be crazy. I, I have a, I have a trick for you about, about Trump. Here's what you can do. You ready for this? I'm listening. Instead of reading Trump tweets in Trump voice, which everyone does, just read them in a really happy voice and see what happens. Like or just a really calm, normal, happy person's voice. Yep. Well, I don't. I don't read. I don't read his tweets. But the the I guess I should say the people that I block tend to be the people who say either really racist things or really uh, like derogatory towards women tweets. Those are the ones. I I 
I, there are people who vote Republican who listen to this podcast. Like I'll get direct messages from people who are like, I disagree with all of your political opinions, but I like that you at least engage in them and are not. I think what people like about this show is that a lot of DFS personalities refuse to engage with that stuff at all. Whereas like, I'm, I'm not afraid to engage with the idea that might alienate some people. And I think people appreciate that. Yeah, I think that the DFS community, and I mean, I, I disagree with most of the things you think politically, so that, that there's me on that side of it, sure. but I, I think it's far more right-leaning than people might think, because... Well, at the, at the higher end, totally, yeah, because people in DFS are rich. Yeah, that's the whole thing, and the number one issue, as it always goes to, that people vote on are taxes. Can right. you give me more money? Yes, I'll vote for you. Right, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't think that is, un, I think that's definitely true. It is, but that, I mean, if you want to talk about why the Democrats lose all the time, that, that's the number one issue, because it's always like, you know what we need to do? Give away more money. That's, that's the key. Well, right uh, a great, I mean, the, the real Democrat thing that they should have always done, and I, don't, I, I think it's actually probably too late for this and it'll never happen, but just like slashing military spending by like 75%, just, just cut it way back, stop doing it. Stop, stop putting tax dollars towards that. And it, it'll just never happen. We're too far into being a police state. So it's like a total pipe dream. But that yeah. is, that is the one way they could lower taxes. That's a lot of jobs, though. Uh, from both, like, government jobs, that's a lot in, like, military spending, propping up a lot of these places that make, like, ballistic missiles that employ thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Like, and, well, people might think it doesn't have a practical purpose of doing it, and I guess that's your right to think that. But, like, it's better than Trump being like, you know what we're doing? Switching back to coal to keep coal miners in business. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, just in general, that's the problem with Keynesian economics from the very base set is that the whole system that we have built on now is, is set on government spending, propping up large parts of the economic sector. Like, that's just, that's just the issue from, that's just the issue from the jump is that everything that exists in our economy at some level is influenced by government spending. Well, it, it all gets into this too, like especially with automation, everything coming in, taking all the people's jobs at the safest jobs that really there are, are government jobs, and that's a big voting block. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's I, true. A, a guy did that um, who actually watches my show, which is really funny. So I went on his show uh, a time or two. Uh, he had a, like a local like political show here. He just wanted to talk football though, so I was like, all right, let's go. let's talk some football. But he ran for premier of Ontario on the platform that he was going to cut 300,000 government jobs. Oh, how did that go? Uh, he didn't win. <laughs> well, it's got to be, it has to be interesting for you being someone with right of center political ideas living in Canada, which like ostensibly from the outside perspective seems like a pretty left-leaning government system. I, I mean, I, I would say that my right-leaningness is more Canadian right-leaningness. Like there are certain things that just aren't issues in Canada that are in America that are just, like, like racism and like outlawing oh, yeah, being yeah. Ra ra racism is a real thing man it's a, it's such a problem everywhere yeah it's just it's so amplified in like all these european countries are way more racist they're oh people people i actually don't think people know this but like, like but that's just like known and yeah. like it's a part of their culture like yeah like racism is deeply ingrained in all of those european they you think that that republicans hate black people you should see how europeans treat immigrants it's insane how racist these european countries are well it depends on which immigrants right, well yes yes very good the they the middle eastern immigrants in uh 
like, for, I will just give an example. In Germany, they freaking hate Turkish immigrants, man. They just like all, oh, it's, all, it's all the countries did. That's why they were trying to block them out of the European Union because if, yeah. you, if Turkey gets into the European Union, they'll have access freely to go to any of these places to go live. This is why Britain did Brexit to get out because they were sick of this shit. And, like, it's a huge problem in the Netherlands. And, like, think about the Netherlands. Probably the most, like, leftly. They, yeah, they so, so peaceful. Like, the socialist. But, like, one of the platforms is, let's get the fuck of the, let's get the fucking Turks all out of here because they're causing problems. Yeah, and, like, that's, I guess that is an interesting point. Like, even the super liberal parties over there, like, the, it's actually interesting. The middle left liberal parties are the ones that are not as racist, but the super far left is actually super racist in a lot of these countries, which I think Americans would not anticipate. Yeah, well, even, I mean, all, all the super left-leaning Americans all point to these socialist countries in Scandinavia, like, oh, Iceland and Finland and Sweden and all these places. Like, No, they don't want immigrants there. They just have white people. That's it. Yeah. And you know what they still do? Eugenics. No one, no one has Down syndrome in Iceland. You want to guess why? Is that, is that a real thing? Yeah. Like this is a this is a like if I go and Google this right now, no Down syndrome in Iceland. Wow, it it auto completed. <laughs> Why Down syndrome in Iceland is almost disappeared? So there's screening tests. Yeah, and what happens on those screening tests if you show up positive for the gene? So all the government states all expectant mothers must be informed about the availability of screening tests. They basically like backdoor you into getting an abortion if you have a Down syndrome child. Wow. And it takes it out of the system. Like people, the gene won't be passed on anymore. That's insane, man. That's what, what a thing I just learned on this show. Uh, eugenics is a very, very, very left-leaning progressive type idea because at its heart, it's used to help people like, you know, if you have Down syndrome, you suffer like that. That's a, something that you're going to suffer with your entire life. And they want to make people healthier. They want to, you know, if you have whatever it is, a, a trait for cancer, a trait for something like that, if you can weed it out of the system, then that's something that you would do. That, that's supposed to help society. But that's never how eugenics turns out in practicality. Yeah, right. It's always, it's always just done to eliminate the undesirables. Yeah pretty interesting i guess i mean and i guess i think in a small like iceland's like three hundred thousand people it's like basically an island so yeah. i guess i guess like uh in that population they can delude themselves into thinking like oh well we can just create the master race here on this island but it might not even be that it could be something to do with the fact that they only have four hundred thousand people and you don't want everyone on your fucking island to be related yeah that's also uh i mean that's like that's that just happens and i like the like every study on genetic gene pools on islands just turns up like out like crazy outrageous stuff like it's just always like anything you can read about a genetic study done in like japan or in new zealand or whatever it's like it's always crazy stuff yeah so i mean they probably don't want to big on ancestry.com but i mean that could be the reason that they got people in for screenings in the first place and they're like hey we found out all this stuff yeah so what's, uh, what's next on your agenda now that we just talked about eugenics in Iceland? Uh, I have more stuff related to like fantasy and scheduling content and the business of fantasy, but I did want to, uh, to ask you this. What do you suppose henchmen get paid in movies? Henchmen get paid in movies? 
Yeah, like, I don't, remember, know, like I don't even know if they get paid a living wage. I just think every need or want that they have is taken care of. They have home, they have shelter, they have food. If they do, do they have to live in like a barracks? Like remember in the like the sixties Batman, how like the Joker would always have like two guys, two dudes. Yeah, I think I think they probably just live in in whatever the layer of the villain is. They just have like their own little spot. I think that I think that's self evident. But like even when you see like Bond movies. Like Bond, I think it's like in, in, you only live twice. When he goes to Japan, he comes down through the volcano. Like, dude has like 300 people working for him. Where, like, he has to be paying these people. I think it, I think it's probably like a military thing. Like, I think a, a henchman is probably someone whose who's life really went askew somewhere and they have the propensity to be violent already. Like, basically, like most militaries exist. So I think it is probably like a barracks environment. Yeah, but most henchmen, I guess you have your two classes of henchmen. You have your, like, grunt henchmen, but a lot of these henchmen are, like, super high-tech IT guys. Maybe the super high-T IT-tech guys are consultants, and they just are hired out to various villains, and they have, like, a set fee that they need to be paid over X amount of time. Ah, they're like Blackwater. They're like mercenary henchmen. If yeah, you need they're, they're Blackwater. If you want to, like, really go after, like, a, some sort of cyber attack, and you're a supervillain you would hire this firm to come in and take care of your IT. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's what it is. I think that's the, the dirty secret of all the supervillains is that the, the, the grunt work could be done for any villain because it's just done based off of like a, a super crazy private security firm. Hmm. This is very interesting. I, I always wonder these things. That's, that, would be, that would be my take. Okay. Why is Friends more popular than Seinfeld with younger people now? Is it because Seinfeld's too mean? Uh, I think it's because Seinfeld was super ingrained in the pop culture of the day, was like super, uh, super what reverent, uh, reference. There were a lot of references to pop culture happening at the time. And Friends well, is more like TV there? that we have on now. Was there though? That's, I mean, that's my sense. I like Seinfeld more than Friends, but that would be my sense. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I, I haven't watched Seinfeld in like maybe a year, so maybe I need to go back and look. Like, it, it, it could be something just to like Friends is on Netflix, so people have more access to it, but it's not hard to find Seinfeld. Well, Friends is just more like TV that's on now. Like Friends but, and How I Met Friends, Your Mother is the same show. How I Met Your Mother is better than Friends. Friends is legit bad. Yeah, it's not very good. Like, remember when Chandler had cigs? That's when Friends was rolling. But then he couldn't smoke anymore. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was like the first season of Friends? I, I watched through Friends once, and that was all. That I, I, it's not something I rewatch. But I just, I just find it so crazy that like, people like, have hot takes. Like, I've seen every episode of Friends five times. Never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Like, what? What's going on? And I think maybe Seinfeld is thought of being like a, maybe a little highbrow. I don't, it's a smarter show. It's a smarter show than Friends. Yeah, that's, because, that's because Friends is like the dumbest show going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld, I think, and I think people are like kind of snooty about liking Seinfeld though. Like if you bring up Seinfeld in conversation and someone hasn't seen it, they'll be like, oh, you've never seen Seinfeld. Like, I think that it has a little bit of that air. Yeah, but I think that's that that's completely gone now. I, I think that was always sort of the thing, like to get people to watch Seinfeld. Like, what are you doing? Like, why why would you watch Friends before you would watch Seinfeld? That seems insane. Yeah, like I mean, I, the- I like Seinfeld better, so maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't I don't even think of the two shows as equals, really. Well, if you had to program 
someone who's never seen TV before to kind of get them caught up to speed? Like, what would be like the 10 shows you would make them watch? What would be the first show you would make them watch? I think it's got to be The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite show ever. So, yeah, I think and – and, and The Simpsons bakes in a lot of references to other pop culture, so you're getting a lot through osmosis. Yeah, I don't know how much it does it anymore. I think I stopped watching. Oh, yeah, I don't watch anymore. This is like 15 years ago, but The Simpsons seasons one to about, give me 10, I guess. And there's still decent episodes after that. Or like Wheelhouse, Pat Man. I've seen all those episodes like 70 times. Yeah. But I learned about, and I feel like this is where the cultural fall-off happens. Like when people want to distinguish between like, millennial and the generation before where is that gap there is a simpsons gap in all of this because i learned about stuff that happened in the 80s the 70s the 60s like pop culture stuff history stuff just the simpsons and i don't know if there's a show that exists like that anymore well there's no monoculture anymore the simpsons used to be like legit monoculture and it's not and and i would say I'm, I am the generation after that really watched The Simpsons. I watched The Simpsons because I, I loved it. But, uh, like, my friends, none of them watched The Simpsons growing up. See, that's crazy. And, like, every single person I know, and you're, what, 24, 25? 26, but yeah. You're 26, I'm 33. And so, so you, I think you were right at the end, whereas for, like, season... Like when I was like when new Simpsons were on for in my lifetime, it was like season 13. So I was like right at the tail end of like the good stuff. Like, uh, like, uh, Maude had already died and Armin Tanzarian was Skinner by the time I was like cognizant enough to like choose programming on my own. Oh, wow. We used to watch this at five o'clock. We used to eat at five o'clock because that's just what we did. Uh, so at five o'clock every day, The Simpsons came on. Same, same for me. Five o'clock was when I watched it after school. And then at five thirty, there used to be. It was always a rotation of different shows, depending on like whatever they had the rights to that year. Like Fresh Prince used to always be on. Uh, then Frasier was on for the longest time. Eventually, like ten years later, like Arrested Development was always on, which was awesome to watch five thirty. But that's that, like when we used to have dinner, that's what we used to watch. Yeah, so it just really like it got ingrained that way. And I feel like we, we miss out on stuff like that now. Well, just we miss out on a lot of shared cultural experience <laughs> because there is no one thing that everyone experiences simultaneously other than sports. sports and Game, of Thrones. Game of Thrones, everyone watches. Uh, no, you would really be surprised how many people don't. No, I, I, I get that. But if there's one thing that people do watch that is breaching on monoculture it's game of thrones well it's it's actually sports sports is the monoculture now or politics now mm, a lot of people in my generation just opt out they just don't they just don't engage with yeah, it a lot of people in your generation opt out on sports too more people in my experience and maybe my experience is flawed well your attention. experience is probably your friends who like sports <laughs> I guess that's true. And I would definitely gravitate more towards people who were, but I would also gravitate towards people who are interested and involved in politics versus people who are like, nah, bro. I'm oh, no, 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 no. You do not want to be involved with people who are like, quote, interested, end quote, in politics. That cannot go well. No, I don't care what their views are. They're just weird people. Well, if that's your, if that's your number one thing, then yeah, like just chances are you're going to be a zealot and you're not going to be any fun to be around. It's just, you know, it's like when I talk, I like to come on here and like talk about work and like work stuff, but I hate, it's one of the reasons why I like, 
I don't mind talking about sports with people when I'm not like talking about it with people like on the show. Oh, I, I, I absolutely abhor talking about sports with people who are not in like our little Twitter circle, like talking about sports with just regular people just kill me. Like I, I was talking to, and this always happens. Cause I always, cause like my wife has her own set of friends, which is probably the number. I mean, there's a number of reasons why I ended up marrying her and I love her so much, but like her having her own life is really a part of that that she doesn't need to be around me 24 seven. like, if it's Friday night, she can be like, yeah, I'm going out with my friends. I'll be like, perfect. Like I'll go out with my friends. Like we don't have the same set of friends, but every once in a while, like I'll go to shit. She does. And she'll try to not go to shit. I do, but she'll, she'll come out. My right. friends are far, more, far more aggressive than her friends, but like between her girlfriends, guy friends, like her girlfriends, boyfriends, or husbands, the amount of sports knowledge is like gutter bottom of the barrel level. And they're all lawyers, most of them. And they're not afraid to like argue that they're right about this stuff. And it's just, it's really sad. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very hard to just tell someone, look, man, you, you know, literally nothing about what you're talking about. Like it's, it, and it's very hard to convince someone of that because also like the level of sports discourse in popular media is very low. Like people, like it's just extremely low. You know what I'm saying? I, I actually don't consume any popular sports media to tell you the truth. Well, I don't either, but I, uh, ESPN will always be on at the gym. And if you're watching a game, you'll get the commentary from Collinsworth or Witten or whoever. I don't watch the games with commentary on. I guess that, I guess, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't either. What I get it is when, whenever Witten or someone says something really dumb, it's always posted on Twitter. Yeah, but that's just one comment. That, that's not really indicative of, like, if he, if he screws up a cliche. That's actually kind of funny. I know he's not doing it on purpose, but that is – I think that Jason Witten being bad on Monday Night Football has helped Monday Night Football. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, Monday Night Football is infallible. They could, have, they could have two convicted criminals doing the commentary people would still watch. Just don't put a comedian on there, and then people freak the fuck out. Yeah, Dennis Miller. Even when Kornheiser was on, people lost it. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I actually like Tony Kornheiser. I just, I, I'm still stunned that they don't have, like, if we have the sap button, that's what it's called, right? They go to Spanish? Yeah. So if you have the sap button on your TV, why can't there just be another button for a different audio? Like, remember when there used to be, like, two audio commentaries on, like, whatever, there'd be, like, a hidden one on a movie? You have the option on Amazon Prime now for the Thursday night game to rotate between commentaries. Yeah. So why can't we do that on all platforms? And like, you can have your serious commentators. You can have two guys that are fucking stoned out of their mind talking about football. You can have a fantasy one. You can have a gambling one. Like, why not? All right. So pivoting, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about diet. And I think it's really interesting because I know you're a healthy dude. You eat, you eat generally pretty healthy. Do you still smoke though? No. So you, you've got it. You, are you on the Shantix? You on the, you on the patch gum? What are you doing? I'm using the gum. I'm leaning off the gum, but I've decided that if I want to have a cigarette, I'm going to have a cigarette. Yeah. Reasonable. And I, I feel like that mentality has really helped me stop smoking. That like, I don't feel the pressure. Like I don't feel anxiety about not smoking anymore. Like if I'm at home, I just don't smoke at home ever. Like never, ever. So that really helps. So that cuts out a lot. And I always used to smoke at the office. Just a lot of media people smoke. There's a lot of downtime. So people go smoking. So, and my producer smokes. Shout out Paul Shag. Uh, so it's easy to bum smokes off him. But like, 
no matter what show I do, no matter who I'm talking to, I always get like five minutes before I get really antsy. I'm running stuff through my head. Like I don't have a script that I read off of. I don't yeah. do show notes. Like I'm, I'm up there, I'm talking. I have an idea of what I want to talk about and then I'm going to talk about it. But you always get the, there's always a certain element of like, this is going to go horribly, horribly wrong. Um, especially like with video stuff, people can see you. I, I much prefer this format to tell you the truth, like this medium. Yeah. Just audio. Like it's so much easier. Like it makes me so less anxious. Yeah, I agree. But I just enjoy having a sig before I go on. It calms me down. So before a show, sometimes I'll just go outside, be like, Paul, hook me up with the sig, have a sig, feel good, come back in. And it doesn't make me want to smoke more. It's like. Yeah, it's just one to calm down. Yeah. And like if I'm out at a bar and I'm drinking, then you know what? Someone's out smoking, like, give me a sig or give me a few puffs off that. I'm fine. Now, that's how I started smoking in the first place. Maybe it's a very slippery slope. But I feel like I'm good at compartmentalizing my life now. It's like, this is when I do this. This is when I do this. And I think the dieting goes into the same boat too. Like I know the days when I don't give a shit about dieting. I'm just going to go crazy and eat whatever the fuck I want. But I know if it's Monday, here's what I do on Mondays. I just make a plan of what I'm going to eat. I So I, uh, I guess I am more like that now. Like my diet is certainly better now than it was when I was in like college or whatever. Cause I've done, I've done a couple of the fad diets just because I actually, um, I actually really like dieting, not so much for the physical benefits, but for the mental discipline benefits. Cause I'm big on, I'm big on just having power over the self control over, you know, what you're doing to your body, to your mind and everything. So I, I kind of enjoy that. But, uh, I mean my, my big thing, and I think a lot of people do this is just now that Postmates exists and any food you want is at, you know, is 20 minutes away. That it, it's, that is my, that is what I fail at. I don't, cook unhealthy food when I cook it's generally pretty healthy I guess maybe a little bit heavy on carbohydrates because I really like pasta but uh, generally when I cook it's fairly healthy but uh, Postmates is my downfall yeah I mean I use Uber Eats as well so you can find places on there I mean what's the biggest thing when you get either Postmates Uber Eats whatever it is what's the most important thing to you on that app is it health is it deliciousness or is it like what's going to be here the quickest because it's always quickest for me Oh, it's what I what's what I want to eat at the moment. Okay, see, I'm not. I, I live. I mean, you live in a very pretty metropolitan area, so how does it take that long to get you food? Shouldn't take that long. It depends on what I want. Like, what's a long time to get food? Like, generally speaking, if I have my Uber Eats, there's a jerk chicken place around the corner from me, and it will be here in ten minutes. Yeah, if anything, I could I would consider anything longer than thirty five minutes to be too long. No, there are some places that will take longer than that because. The thing is, now that everyone has access from, you know, a, I think the range of Uber Eats for downtown Toronto is like three and a half million people, that if there's one really good restaurant, people are constantly going to be trying to order from that one place. Yeah. So it puts, it puts them at a backlog. Now, before, if you were just going there or getting in delivery, they only had a delivery range and you had to fall into that range with Uber Eats that doesn't exist. So... I live probably in a comparable location, like much small, Kansas City, much smaller than Toronto, but I live in a nexus of, of, of like the town where like pretty much any food place that I want to order from is like a 10 minute drive max. So my, my Postmate, I, I mean, you use Uber Eats. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Postmates. So like pretty much anything I want, 30 minutes max. But I've been trying to limit the amount of like, I make a conscious effort to not 
Right. So, so what, so what I did, what I did was I, I had Postmates unlimited or whatever their premium thing is. And then I just, I canceled it. And that was my way of curbing how much I was eating out. Like it was bad to eat out that way, but like it's, it's stupid expensive too, for what you're actually paying for. Like it's unnecessarily expensive. Yes, definitely unnecessarily expensive. I'm not so much worried about that. Just as worried about the general health and well-being of my body. I guess so, but I mean, I'm always concerned about the money I'm spending. Always. I think people are crazy if they're not. Like, you can have as much money as you want, but if you don't make smart decisions with your money and just randomly throwing away like 10 bucks a day on delivery services is a very stupid way to spend your money. I mean, it is a very, it is a very slippery slope and it adds up way more than you would ever expect. That's like 100% true. All the shit, like all the shit, like all the three bucks you throw away, all the five bucks you throw away, it's so easy to do it because everything's digital. You might not even notice, but keeping track of all this stuff is huge. Do you have, do you have an app that tracks your expenditures? Yes. Which one? Uh, I use a thing called Receipt Bank. Okay, I use I use Truebill, which I am a which I'm a big fan of. So what Receipt Bank does is I just take a picture of any receipt, or I can email it to the account if it's a digital one, uh, and it just keeps track of every th- every single thing that I've spent, and it helps out with the business as well because if anyone ever comes to audit me, it's immediately right there. And my mom's a tax auditor, and one of the biggest things that she always instilled in me: if you're ever going to get audited, be as friendly to the auditor as possible. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I feel like that's common sense. But either, be the most, either be the most organized person in the world or the least organized person in the world. You want to be on one extreme or the other. Because if, if an auditor can come in and do your complete audit in like a day, they're probably not going to make you pay everything you need to pay. Very good to know. And on the other end, if you're just like a bumbling fool who's never kept a receipt in their life or just has like a grocery bag full of receipts from the past seven years, they'll be like, how about you just pay this and we'll call it even. Right. It's the people that try to hide. And usually like if you're a good, if you have a good account and they can hide stuff for you, that's never going to come up. Like that's what you pay the good accountant to do is to hide the fucking money. It's the people that tried to hide their own money that get into the biggest problems with this or well, yeah. like stupid greedy with hiding stuff. Like there's a, there's a certain amount of greed there's there's sort of like a greed quotient when it comes to taxes where you can be like 25% greedy on your money. But if you try and be 80% greedy, you're just going to get wrecked. Yes. Yeah. So true bill, you don't even have to send in the receipt. It just, it just, you just link your credit card to it and it does it for you. Okay. So I, I have that as well, but I like the physical representation of it being there just to prove that I paid for this. A little bit of a control freak. And no, it just really helps with like business taxes. Yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe, I guess maybe I need to think more about that because I just, I pay a lot in taxes every year. And I don't. So there you go. You have it figured out. Maybe, maybe I need to, uh, maybe I need to speak to someone about figuring out how I can limit some of these uh, taxes I'm paying. Well, it's just, it's, it's meshing everything in, like put everything like on a business card. So like my company pays me, that's how I get paid. So whatever I put on my credit card is basically like my paycheck, but certain things can be written off as a business expense, whether it's going to be you know, like my car payments that's done through the company. So my lease every month just comes off the credit or that comes out of the account, but that's a business expense. You think I would, I would save money paying myself. Yeah, absolutely. Cause if you can keep money in the business, you can allocate how much money, like if you don't need the money, 
for example, like if you only pay, like you can figure out the tax brackets, you can figure out everything. But if you can keep stuff inside the business, you can pay the lowest percent of corporate taxes possible for that year. And then when you pay yourself out, let's say, especially if you do it the way that I'm doing it, where you're using a card for both your personal and your business, uh, and certain things will be business and certain things will be personal. So I'm never actually paying myself. I'm paying, like, if I go out to dinner with my wife, that's not a business expense. So if that dinner is, let's say, 150 bucks, then I'm technically being paid from the company 150 bucks. It'll all add up at the end of the year. These were your personal debits on your credit card. These are your yeah. business debits on your credit card. These things go to lowering your corporate tax. But, like, let's say I end up with, like, $27,000 worth of personal expenses. Uh, on my credit card at the end of the year. So that's counted as part of my salary. And then I just pay myself out like top up, whatever puts me in like the best tax bracket. Hmm. Very interesting. I think I probably need to go speak to my accountant with this, uh, with this general plan. And then you can keep whatever money's in the business that becomes untaxable until you take it out. So you can actually invest the money in the corporation through different things too. So you can put those into, I don't know, whatever the hell you want whatever bond you want, as long as it stays in the business, then you'll pay a capital gains when it comes out. But you'll, wow. pay, but you'll pay corporate, not personal, so it'll be less. I'm in. I'm in. I, I'm going to, as soon as we get off of this, I'm going to email my accountant and set up a meeting for like next week. I don't know how U.S. stuff works. Either. Yeah, I'm sure it's different. I'm sure it's a little bit more difficult, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. But you guys pay like half in taxes anyway, so you should be able to save way more than me. Uh, contractors pay pretty brutal tax rates, actually. Really? Yeah. I, my, my taxes generally are a, a larger portion of my income than, well, because my income goes untaxed throughout the course of the year, so I'm paying it all at the end. Yeah, but that wouldn't make it any higher. Right. It's just, but it, it is at a pretty, it, it, but the contractor rate is quite high. It is, it is higher than like if I was a, a salesperson or whatever. Sure. But you should be taking advantage of every single thing you like as an independent contractor, that means you're a business, which means you get business write-offs. So like, yeah, which means, which like means 25% of your rent every month, you should be writing off. Well, I haven't had like a legit office office until now, but I will be, I will be doing that this year, which will be nice. That'll be a nice little tax break. Yeah. But I mean, you could have done that before. If you were working from home, that was your office. American tax law is different about how much of your place you can write off when you work from home. It, there's a legit like square footage rule. Uh, I, I know ours is it's 25% of whatever it is. And maybe there is a square footage cap on that too. But that also applies to things like heat, uh, to cable, to like everything that like goes through your household. Yeah, I do write, I do write all of that stuff off. This, yeah. is fa- this is fascinating radio. People are loving us talking about our, our tax breaks. This this is all stuff I didn't know. Put it this way. Yeah, pe- I, well, people don't know this stuff anyways. They just have someone do it for them. Yeah, but like I, I had to educate myself on it. Like having my mom being an accountant and a tax auditor is very helpful with this stuff. Like she kind of, I just asked her one day, I was like, how can I see the most money possible? Like it was big. Like when I started uh, becoming a, a contractor for uh, DraftKings and I left fantasy. Like I was used to just getting paychecks every month. Like my taxes would come out of it. It would be direct deposit into my bank account. And when I ended up going over and taking on DraftKings as a client, I asked her, I was like, what's the best way for me to do this? Because I'm not an employee of DraftKings. I am a contractor through them. Yeah. So how do I do this? 
and she kind of broke everything down. And then I went and met with like three different accountants and, you know, the accountants are saying things like the guy that I ended up going with, uh, my main man, Sangeev, he, he was like, let me ask you, how much do you want to push the limits of what is taxable and what's not? I was like, let's push it. If we have to pay, we have to pay back taxes. Just make sure I'm not like out of business. He's like, yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so let's like, go, but let's, knowing that stuff is huge. Yeah, no. And just in, just in general in life, here's a good hint. The more educated you are about the processes that affect you, the better off you're going to be, the better spot you are going to be in life. And you don't need to be an expert on any of these things, but just having a, working, no, no enough. Just having a working knowledge about how this process works, no matter what the process is, whether it's something like accounting, financial yeah. investing, all the way to the other spectrum of, if you have someone coming in to renovate a kitchen for you, just kind of know what stuff costs. And then yep. you can ask the right questions. You know, you're not getting ripped off. Like, you, like, you, like I said, you don't need to be an expert. You just need to be smart enough to hire the right people to do the stuff for you. But you need to be able to find out who's good and who's bad because there's bad people in everything. Correct. Yeah. Like there's bad doctors. Oh, there's bad everything. Yeah. Like I had a surgery on my arm about a year ago, or I guess about eight months ago now. And I like did like a lot of research before I selected the surgeon. Yeah. Like, that's smart. Yeah. But like, I don't think people think that way. I think they're like, oh, well, I'll just go to whatever my health insurance covers and I'll figure it out. And like, that's fine. But these people are not all created equal. Yeah. I mean, so someone came last in their medical class. Yes. Yeah. Definitely true. All right. Let's go. Let's go. One more topic, and then uh, we will be out of here. This was this. I've actually decided while we're on here. This is coming out on Thanksgiving Day. People will be listening to this as they fall asleep on the couch uh, after being filled with turkey and and pecan pie. Well, I mean, you can check out the Pat Mayo Experience for some new content as well after you've consumed this. But I, I want to finish off that diet thing. Then we'll go to one more. Okay. People's got time to kill. Yeah. I the best way to do it, and it doesn't matter, like, some people eat, like, eight tiny meals a day. Some people eat once a day. I don't think that stuff matters as much. I think, like you said, that's more of a mental thing. Just getting regimented mm -hmm. and following along with something is, is the biggest part about dieting. It's the biggest part about going to the gym. If you just do it and get into a schedule of doing it, like anything, you're just going to – it'll just become a natural reflex. This is what you do every day. Like, right. I don't eat, like, a meal until, like, 1230 or 1 o'clock every day. Like that's, I started doing the intermittent fasting thing. Just, I thought it'd be a good you, way. To, you still do that? I do. I, like, it's just part of what I, it doesn't mean that like on the weekend, if I go for brunch with my wife, that I won't eat brunch, but like I do it five, seven days a week. It's just, it's super easy. Like during the weekdays, it's super easy. So planning your weekdays is huge. If you're someone who like does stuff on weekends that you kind of throw the weekends out as cheat days and throughout the course of the week, like, Right, like right now, I'm making turkey sausages while we speak. I'm making like eight of them. And I'm just going to put them in a Tupperware container when I'm done, and I'll have those for the rest of the week. I have quinoa in the fridge. Uh, I have cut up vegetables in the fridge already that, that I did on, uh, while I was watching the Monday night game. Uh, and I just have all this stuff banked for the week that if I need to make a meal, it's a quick meal. I can go throw it all together. Yeah, I, uh, I guess because I work from home, like you work from home part of the time, but you do go to the office, but I have no office to go to. I guess I'm kind of lazy about meal prepping or whatever. And I just like, like, we're going to be done here. It'll be 1030 my time, probably by the time I get this rendered and everything. And I'll probably just go walk to the fridge and go just like cut open a grapefruit and eat it. And then two hours later, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go make a turkey sandwich or whatever. Yeah, but that's fine though. 
Yeah, I, I generally, my, my healthy eating issues would never be breakfast or lunch. It would always just be like, like honestly, and people always, people, there's nothing people hate more about this podcast than when myself or a guest talks about how working in DFS or like working on a computer or whatever from home is difficult or stressful in any way. But like sometimes at the end of the day, especially on like a Thursday when I've just been like grinding NFL content very hard, I'm just like beat man. And I don't want to cook. I don't want to do anything. I just want to get general sow's chicken sent to my house via like some nice person. I, uh, I crash every Monday afternoon. Is that your big content day? No, it, it's the only time I get to have like a little bit of a break. Like Saturdays are sort of a break, but I'm still constantly like kind of monitoring things. Um, and that's a day, like, like I said, I go out and do stuff with my wife. Like I'm active that day. Like I go in Monday, like I wake up at like six on Mondays after going 6 a.m. to midnight on Sundays between prepping the show, doing the show, watching the games, consuming all the numbers, figuring everything out, prepping the show for Monday and releasing a column that night and then getting up in the morning and doing a live show for two hours again and then doing like short videos, updating columns, all that stuff that between like I get home at like three o'clock on Monday and I just go to sleep for two hours. Yeah. Respect. I I, self-care, man. It's all the screens. I'm, I'm convinced of it. it. It is all the screens. Like, like it's just like, man, enough. I, I can't. I cannot. I cannot look at my laptop screen any longer. I need to be done. I, I think it just it zaps your brain. But going back to the to the uh, the dieting stuff is the hardest part about dieting is if you can. The easiest way to do it is if you're someone like me who doesn't give a shit if they eat the same meal three times during the course of the day. Like I just don't care. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly care either. The 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 biggest issue for me obviously is just being like the the ease of food cuz sometimes I just don't I just do not want to cook. I I can't do it. So having like healthier options in the eventuality of like not wanting to cook that like is a big thing for me. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying that if you out it, it's no different than go like scheduling, hey, every Tuesday morning I go to the gym. Like that that's when I go to the gyms. I go to the gym on Tuesday mornings. You say Monday nights is when I do like forty five minutes of cooking and I make food for the week. You never have to cook. Yeah. I uh I go to the gym every weekday and and about sixty percent of, of weekends. I uh I have a pretty good schedule. I haven't I've been to the gym, I'm looking at it right now. I keep track of my weight, diet, and gym like exercise on like a whiteboard every month. Yeah. It allows me to visualize what I'm doing if I'm slacking, but I've been sick for like 10 days and I didn't remember the last, like I, I lost my voice. I had to cancel shows for the first time. I think I've canceled two shows in seven years and one of them was this week. Like I had no voice. I couldn't talk and that was difficult for me. Um, but like just this lingering cold, I, I, I've never had anything like this before. Yeah, uh, I, being being sick is miserable, especially if your your life is uh, based on using your voice. Based on using your voice, like having like a ton of energy, like staying in shape, like it's all a part of. Like I have every day sort of scheduled out. This is when I do this. This is when I do this, and like the being sick is really throwing it off. But usually, if I'm sick, I'm sick for like two days, and I can kind of battle through it. Like I'll have one really terrible day, and then I'm done. But I didn't have one really terrible day at all. Like I had the day where I lost my voice, but I didn't actually feel all that bad. I just couldn't speak. But the other day is like, uh, just, I have no energy. Uh, like I've had like a chest cold. Then it went, I got up to my nose, but I haven't been able to do cardio. So I haven't been running. I'm looking at it right now for 13 days. 
I haven't gone eight years without running once over the course of like a week. And it's been 13 days since I've went for a run. And it's kind of terrifying to get back into it. Yeah. I mean, when you, and, and it's just like, it just hurts the body, man. Like I just, I, if I, if I skip three days of doing cardio and then I do it, I'm just like, this is a, a unique torture sent from the devil to me specifically. And it's all just been a breathing thing. Like I've been able to go, I've, I've been three times over the, over that span to like to go lift, but I, I do like mix like for, I mean, maybe this is a great way to, uh, to end it. Cause this is a question I had for you. What is the goal of the gym when you go? Uh, for me, it's mental health. It's totally, it's totally about, uh, about getting the endorphins going, getting some adrenaline, getting, uh, exercise is very good for limiting stress. Like if you get your heart rate, above uh 135 for over for 30 minutes or more it's proven to be uh it's like scientifically research proven to limit uh depression and anxiety in people 20 to 30 years old wow that sounds like a ringing endorsement for people to do a bunch of blow (laughs) sure yeah but that's uh that is that is That is my that is my reasoning for going to the gym it has a super noticeable impact on my mental health when i do not go Really? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just kind of, I, I have no energy when I don't go. It's weird that you have to go expend energy to have energy, but I really do feel that way. Yeah, it's, it's it just, if you, and if you, and you, you won't sleep as well, it's just like, I, I just feel like not exercising is just very bad for the mind, body, and soul, honestly. I, I kind of get, I mean, my goal at the gym is to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Like, that's the single reason I go to the gym. And it, it, it hasn't worked, but no, I mean, lo- obviously, the obviously there are benefits from like looking better, feeling better and stuff. But for me, it's, it's primarily mental health. I, I think that, I mean, I went to I mean, my like very last probably week of college. Uh, they had a speaker come in, this guy who was a German businessman who had graduated from college. I was at, he was giving $5 million back to the college to like redo the gym area. Cause he was just like, it's the single most important thing that I do. I, that actually really stuck with me. And that, that's really when I started going to the gym, like full time, like five, six days a week, just like, how long do you work out for? Mm, an hour to an hour and a half. It's a lot. I do. I do. Every time I go, I do 30 minutes of cardio, whether it be the treadmill, the stair step or the elliptical, whatever. And then I go do my workout for the day. I feel like such a coward when I use the elliptical. Well, for me, so I have, I have this arm injury that I, I had a surgery for and I'm still rehabbing it. So the elliptical or the, the walker, you know what I'm talking about? Like the Stairmaster? Not like the Stairmaster, but like the, there, it's like another, it's like a, it has a weird name, but it's good for me because it, it's good. I get a full extension and, um, uh, like supination of my arm, which it, it's very good for, it's very good for that without putting too much tension on it. Yeah, that's fair. So that's sort of like a rehab type thing. I'm just thinking like if I'm too tired and I don't want to go running and I use the elliptical, I'm just like, oh man. I mean, it's, it's a wuss, but it, it gets your heart rate up and it's better than sitting on the couch. <clears throat> that's true. I was thinking about buying something for home like that. Like if I was uh, thinking, if well, I was thinking, you should, you should get the Peloton. Well, is the Peloton, isn't that a bike? Yes, but it's like, it's, I don't want a fucking bike. No, it's, I, if I, if I was a man of, if I was a man of uh, like throwing $5,000 away level of means, I would, I would have a Peloton in my living room right now. I see. I mean, I don't have $5,000 to throw away. I saw, I saw these like flat treadmills that are like super, super thin that you can get. They're like a thousand bucks. 
you should uh you should get uh the nordic track that's the that's the home one too that uh that sculpts the body apparently i think i would just want something to do while i'm at home like i said i just sit around on the couch like that that's the thing like sort of maximizing what you're doing at all times maybe that's the problem and i think that's one of the problems that like when you say like dfs is hard and is mentally taxing yeah i don't i think i think it's okay to give yourself a break from trying to better yourself for a couple hours or be productive but I just feel like it's a waste of time. Like, I feel like if I could be doing something, I should be doing something. Well, it's only a waste of time if that time is not benefiting, like, your, your mental state or whatever. Yeah, but I feel like if, if I'm at home watching TV anyway, what would be the harm if I was on an elliptical while watching TV? I, I don't need to be, like, gunning it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no harm. Uh, they have, like, office chairs that have bike pedals installed on them. I looked, I looked at those before. Can't get behind the bike either. I feel like if you go to the gym and go on a bike, like, what are you doing? Like, I get the, like, super spin zone thing. Yeah. If you're, like, if you're a part of, like, the class and you're... That's what, that's what the Peloton is. The Peloton is, like, a spin class, but at your house. Okay. See, I can get behind that. But you, you know what I'm talking about, like, just the general stationary bike at the gym? Yeah, you're, it's, it's very... That is a, a very poor time ROI in terms of the calories you're burning per minute. You don't burn anything. Yeah, it's not you, great. You know who loves using those? Fats. Yeah, old people. I mean, old people I get. There's only so much heart rate you can get going. But like, if you, because I mean, I gained 75 pounds my third year of college. And like, I had to lose all the weight eventually. Yeah. So if, if you were super huge and you were going to a gym and knowing what you know now about like how to like be, be smaller, how to work out, that kind of thing, what would you go to first? Like, what would be your move? I would, if I, if I did get fat again, cause I got, I got fat for a little bit in college. I would. I think everyone does. Yeah. Or they get like super skinny. <laughs> One of the two. I would, uh, I would just go to, I would just walk on the Stairmaster two hours a day and do as many stairs as I could and slowly increase the speed, but never, never decrease the time. I'm kind of with you that Stairmaster is like the best cardio workout. That's well, it gets you, it gets you. The reason that Stairmaster is the best is you, it does elevate your heart rate. Uh, you can be on your phone. Like when you're running, you can't be on your phone. So it's, it's more like mentally intensive. And you're building no muscle doing that, but you build muscle while you're doing the Stairmaster. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, one of the reasons that I like running on the treadmill so much is that I can't use my phone. Yeah, and, I, and if that's your deal... Yes, but if you're someone who's fat and trying to get in a place to just start losing the weight, you need to you need to conquer your physical limitations of heart rate before you conquer your mental dependency on your cell phone. Well, I think that starting on the treadmill would be the first way to go, but not like running, like incline, just walking, incline walking. Yeah, and like building up like a pace, and then you get a decent pace with that. Then you just kind of incrementally increase your pace, like. I, I always like, even now, like I still like to say like the gym sucks. Treadmills suck. Like they're not fun to be on. No form of cardio is fun to do, but if you can set some sort of competition for yourself, like sort of bullying yourself into doing it, I feel like that. I mean, I, I bully myself into doing a lot of things. That's like the, how I get stuff done, but like something to the effect of here are the limits of like what I want to reach. If I'm going for a run today, like I want to get to four miles I want to run at least, I have to hit the benchmark of four miles and I have to punch in my weight as probably something smaller than I am uh, and hit 600 calories. How fast can I do that? Or how fast can I run four miles? 
that kind of thing and see if you can like best your best times. Yeah. I mean, I think that doing setting mental goals that you like have to accomplish to do X, Y, and Z, I think that's a very good strategy. And I think that would be the same thing too. Like that's what I did when I first started trying to lose a bunch of weight. Basically I just went on the treadmill at six with no incline and just tried to run for as long as I could see how far I could get. And then it kind of sets a baseline like, Oh, I can increase here. I can like, people should never go on a treadmill and have zero incline. Like that's completely useless. I don't think yeah. people, I see people do it all the time. I don't understand it. Well, I just don't want to run outside. Yeah. But like you're really taking away from the actual, like the, you're basically on a bike now. You're just shuffling your feet really quickly. You're not actually running. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know the science of like running on a treadmill versus running outside and the benefits. Cause like really when I lost weight in the first place, I never ran on the treadmill. I just went, I just went on the stairs. I, I'm a big advocate of the stair stepper. I, I mean, the stair stepper is one thing. I like the stair master. Just like that kicks your ass. What's the difference? Well, isn't the stair stepper the one like where you're like on like an elliptical looking machine you just push down with your feet? No, no, no. I'm talking about a set of stairs that fucks that fluctuates at a different speed. You're literally climbing stairs. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that, yeah. That's that, the one. That's that's the one I do. I always just call that the stairmaster. Yeah, twenty minutes on that, and you're fucking dead. I do. I do half an hour on that pretty much five days of the week. Oh, really? Yeah. I always do that. Generally, like, it depends on what I, if I'm going for like a if I'm doing core that day or if I'm doing like a like any sort of weights that day, I'll usually do that or sprinting on the treadmill afterwards. Yeah. I try and do, I try and do a hundred floors of stairs cool. and, and then like a cool down period to get my heart rate back down before I go work out. hundred floors of stairs. You should be banging that out in like 18 minutes. I I'm on my phone, man. Oh, you can't be on, you can't be on your phone when you're doing it. I'm doing, I'm, I'm sending emails. I've done, I've done agendas for this podcast while on, on the stairs, the stair stepper, the stair master before. That's where you're coming up with ideas. Yeah, honestly, that's what, yeah. like I'm doing. I'm doing, that's where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I mean, cause that's like a time I'm just like trying to think. Yeah. You should also always run after you work out. Like if you're doing weights run after, if you're going to do cardio that day. Why do you, why do you say that? Well, so you, you want to put, you can put maximum effort into the lifting. Well, no, no, no. It just in terms of like body, like how you burn calories and how you maximize your muscle mass. I mean, if you're, it depends on what you want to get out of your goals. Like generally speaking, if you want to bulk up, you shouldn't be doing all that much cardio to begin with. But if getting lean and losing weight is what you want to do, you want to tire out all of your muscles first through the lifting then go running because it works under the same principle as intermittent fasting that if you go running after you've used up all your muscles, uh, you're only burning acid and fat. You're not burning any muscles. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I don't, you know more about the, you know more about, uh, the science of it than I do. But that's like, once I started to like, cause I used to always just go like, Oh, I'm going to go run for 30 minutes. I'm going to go lift some weights. And I hit a plateau really quickly doing that. And I wasn't getting good results. And I went and like research it. They're like, no, 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 you're doing completely backwards. You can do like three, four minutes, like warm up to like, you know, get, get your blood pressure up, get your heart rate up, like just break a sweat to get going, but like stop, go lift or go do your core stuff, go to your planks, whatever. Then come back after you've exhausted all your muscle, then go do the cardio because it's going to be like twice as effective for burning fat. I think that's a great way to end people. Uh, we just give it do 20 minutes of gym talk as they're fat and full of turkey and pie. I think that's a beautiful way to end, uh, to end this Thanksgiving Day content.
Last thing, and this is a one-liner. Okay. Could you rebrand homelessness like they did for trailer parks? So now they just call trailer parks tiny homes. Could you call homelessness urban camping? Yes. 100%. That, that will be somehow marketed and commoditized. Monetized? Yeah, what did I just say? Commoditized? I mean, I'm going to actually go with that as being a word. Is that a word? Come on. Com- commoditized is de- it's got to be a word. Commodified. Commodified was the word I was going for. Commoditization is a word. You hit it. It is a real word. Oh, wow. All right. There we are. But anyway, urban camping. It's going to be a thing. I'm going to have a show on HGTV about it, but people's tents. All right, so tune into Pat's show on HGTV. Catch him hopefully streaming on Netflix sometime soon. And uh, if you're getting done listening to this, want to consume some more Thanksgiving content, Pat, what will you have for people over the break? I will. I mean, I'm not taking a break, so I'll have – I'm live on Thursday, so people that probably already missed that. If you can go watch that on demand if you want to hear about, like, the games on Thursday, then I'll have the whole, like, weekend uh, Sunday slate for DraftKings. I'll be broken down actually with, with Rick Gaiman. We're doing that on a Wednesday, releasing it on Thursday. So that'll be fresh and I'll be back with new content for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All right. Beautiful.